just in terms of the 360 images and the measurements combined is going to have almost unlimited possibilities in terms of automation um, and automating the listing process, automating your listing descriptions. You'll, I mean, that's, that's all possible with the technology now. You're listening to The Real Estate Sessions. I'm your host, Bill Risser, with Fidelity National Title, Tampa District. Thanks for tuning in as we uncover the stories of leaders in our industry. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Episode 207 of The Real Estate Sessions Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for telling a friend. Today, we're going to go back to the Inman crowd. I, I've had so many guests come to the show from from my uh, attending the Inman Connect event. I Once again, I can't say enough about this event. If you've got an opportunity to get out there, go check it out. Uh, and today we're going to talk to Alex Gustafson. Alex is the uh, founder of CoAware and a few other things along the way. And we're going to chat with him about what he's doing in the real estate space. Alex, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on, Bill. Yeah. Well, you, you reached out to me. It was I loved it. You reached out and you said you wanted to get together at Inman Connect in Las Vegas. And uh, the first thing I want to ask you is, um, have you been a regular attendee of Inman? Has Inman been a big piece of what's going on with your uh, your company? Uh, yeah, I think I've been going to Inman for the last three or four years. Um, we started out, we would do the startup alley uh, for the first maybe two or three years. Or well, I'm sorry, two or three shows, so year and a half-ish. Uh, and then I've been going back mostly to just have meetings, but also to uh, check out upcoming technology, things like that. And, and that's a um, good place to be and bounce off uh, some ideas off people that you know, you're doing something similar to, or obviously we try to market to a lot of brokers. And so it's good for us to talk to brokers and see what they're doing and what kind of trends are they're following um, to see how our products would fit in. So, yeah, it's always been, I think, beneficial to go. Obviously, you and I met there. So um, things like that. And I'm, everybody who's doing something or anyone who's doing something creative or innovative in real estate tech is is there. It's it's mandatory just to kind of stay on top of what's happening, right? And to, and and we said many times, and it's kind of a cliche, but it's those conversations in the hallways or maybe at a bar in the lobby in Las Vegas that yep. uh, <laughs> where the best things happen, right? Yeah, and that was a blessing and a curse. Um, I feel like every time I tried to walk back to my room to go to sleep, it was uh, you bump into somebody else, and and there happened to be a bar right next to the elevator, and. So then you'd end up there for a while and then you bump into somebody else. And it was a lot of late nights. I heard that the uh, that um, some of the Inman people might not have been too happy about their early morning attendance due to all the late nights there. But I made it. I yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did. I did, too. I was an ambassador, so I had no choice. Uh, <laughs> we just we had to roll in. Um, so I like to find out where guests are from. And I know you have a New England background. And um, so let's talk about that a little bit. First of all, whereabouts uh, are we talking? Um, are we talking Massachusetts? Where did you grow up? So I actually grew up in West Hartford, Connecticut. And uh, it's a great town. They've completely transformed the downtown area since I've left. Uh, it's tons of bars and restaurants. I really can't think of another place that you could walk to so many excellent bars and restaurants and uh, within probably just a square mile or two great place to go if you if you uh, are ever in the area um, and uh, they're they're doing a good job there 
and then I went to college in in New Hampshire at a school called Colby Sawyer. I went to school for business, and then I ended up in back home for a little bit after college, and then ended up in Boston for where I spent about five years before uh, moving out to California. Like I always bring up sports a little bit. So you grew up in Connecticut. Is that does that mean you have to choose between? Is it just pure? <laughs> is it Yankees all the way, or do you have a choice? What do you do there? Well, that's. I think that was. Uh, that's probably my my biggest weakness is I I don't care about sports. Awesome. <laughs> and I, I think that it happened because of just coming from Connecticut, and it's like, you know, growing up, half my friends and family would have a Boston Red Sox hat on, the other half would have a Yankees hat on, and uh, my family originally was from Ohio. So I'd have a Cleveland Indians hat on and then <laughs> it got to the point where I just couldn't keep track. And, um, yeah, going to Boston after growing up in Connecticut, I remember the first time I saw a Patriots game at a bar and I was like, Oh, this is why people, you know, this is like, you know, everybody cares about this team here. And yeah, in Connecticut, you're kind of torn in between the two. And the only team we had was the, uh, the Hartford Whalers, the hockey team. And uh, I was a fan until probably, I don't know, when I was in elementary school or whenever, and then they uh, shut them down. So that was the <laughs> last taste I had of uh, a hometown uh, professional level team. All right. Well, look, I think in the uh, in the bigger scheme of things, it's a good thing. You have more time to uh, work on your projects, more time to code, more time to build <laughs> stuff if you're not involved in that other stuff. Yeah, that could be. <laughs> now you, uh, I, you know, I do research as I prepare for each podcast and, uh, there were some interesting stories about you and your entrepreneurial spirit as a child that I discovered. So why don't you share with the listeners, uh, you know, one of those stories. It's hard to pick just one. I, well, we, we can do two. We got time. <laughs> okay. My, my parents, my dad, uh, has always had his own company and my mom has always kind of pushed me to get out and and uh, do something constructive was a very common phrase in the house. Um, so I think, I mean, the very first one I could think of was, I remember rolling a wagon around with virgin margaritas and selling them door to door in maybe first grade. And uh, that wagon stuck with me through elementary school and going door to door, selling car washes, things like that. And you're lucky that I didn't wash your car at that age, but um, <laughs> it was uh, it, I was I was kept busy um, with things like that, and and I think that's when um, finally when I figured out how to use a computer, I realized I didn't have to drag a wagon around. There were a lot of other ways to, you know, come up with uh, online companies and things like that, and that's then I was hooked. Yeah, you're you're the right age where um, you hit like you hit middle school. And, uh, you know, jumping on a PC and, and have, playing with some code or something was something you could already do, right? Uh, yeah, pretty much. And yeah. we always had um, my neighbor across the street growing up was uh, in IT and we'd, I would get his old computers that were very old and I would constantly <laughs> have to be fixing them. And um, so I think, you know, just to get it to turn on, I would have to basically fix something every time. And so I think that's where I ended up getting, getting some of it out of necessity just to, yeah. uh, yeah. 
And then, you know, I, I was very into skateboarding probably as a result of uh, not having a, a sports team to look up to, I, you know, mm-hmm. ended up skateboarding, skiing, all that kind of stuff. And uh, the second digital cameras came out, I was obsessed with, with cameras and that was, you know, probably in middle school or so. And that's when I really started trying to find ways to put the pictures online and then um, build websites to host them, things like that. Do you, do you remember the first website that you built for money that you actually, someone actually paid you to build them a site? So I think it was this woman who was probably 95 years old and had a book that she wrote and it was a children's book and she had these illustrations. I, I couldn't for the life of me remember what the book was called, but um, the illustrations were incredible. She hired some very famous illustrator and the illustrator also illustrated the website in uh, in obviously his style. So I was able to turn that into their the book website and um, allow people to buy her book online. And uh, yeah, so I think that was one of the first ones I did for money for somebody else. But even dating back to the first website, I think or I remember making was um, they used to have this dot TK. I don't know if you remember that, but that was, mm. that, so that was, if you really didn't want to buy a .com, .tk was the free <laughs> website builder in the days. Um, also GeoCities, uh, all those kinds of things. And basically they would advertise on your website, which I saw some questionable ads on there at some points, but um, it, yeah, so I had a skateboard website on there, just a, my friends and I skateboarding. And then I also got into selling skateboards online um, through some affiliate program we would have some you know some link to skateboard stores and things like that and my friends would buy the skateboards through the website and we'd get commission off of them things like that so what 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 year are we talking here this is uh let's see this is probably 2001 2002 I mean, that, that's way early in the game to be doing transactions on the internet, I think, wasn't it? I mean, it really was. It was. And I mean, I was obsessed with eBay too. And mm, so, okay. um, so going over to doing, uh, to trying to do this on the sites that I had was something I always tried to do. And I wow. mean, it was a, quite the poor user experience. And um, <laughs> my friends are probably mostly my customers or people in chat rooms, which is really the only other way you can get your name out there in those days. Um, but, but yeah, so I, I kind of kept on that path of focused on building websites that I could show pictures of skiing, skateboarding, snowboarding, um, and then have some kind of element of e-commerce attached to it. That's the most, uh, focus way I've ever put it. But in the time, it was kind of just like whatever I could figure out how to put on the page as a link um, I would do. I couldn't be too proud of the actual <laughs> design or anything like that. Um, Even today, if you walk by a house and there's a skateboard in an empty pool, are you going in? <laughs> I've never encountered that in my life. I, it, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think most of the time on the East Coast, uh, well, people didn't really have in-ground pools. Um and if they did, I don't know, you 
they'd be filled with snow in the winter. So <laughs> that's, <true. laughs> that's that's a Southern California kid me coming out. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm going to, now that I live out here, you know, it's funny because when I turned 30, um, I decided to buy myself a, a skateboard because there was a skate park by my house that had a bowl like that, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and I had never skateboarded in a bowl and I grew up skateboarding all the time, but, um, had never skateboarded in a bowl. So, at this stage, 30, I probably hadn't skateboarded in 12 years or more. Wow. Shortboarded, I, I, I longboarded a lot um, through my 20s, but not the shortboards for tricks and stuff. So, but I figured, okay, I'll, you know, it's, I used to do it like eight hours a day. I could pick this up and I was dead wrong and I, uh, busted my ass pardon my french <laughs> did you, you had to, you the first thing you learn how to do when you skateboard is fall right you gotta learn to fall That's, the right way yeah yeah um yeah jerry seinfeld had a had a good <laughs> quote that always stuck with me he's like whenever you see a skateboarder i always think that kid's gonna be okay and you know it's just because all they do is fall and then occasionally you know something works out but yeah so right. this this time i didn't really uh I haven't gone back since my 30th okay. birthday. I'm almost 32. So stick, stick to the skis. Yeah. Be well, luckily you. I got a, a pretty looking skateboard, so I'll hang it on the wall. My uh, there you go. 12 year old self would be quite disappointed in me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, so you mentioned you went, um, you mentioned you attended Colby Sawyer college business degree. You know, you're going to do something on, you know, you're going to start a company while you're in school. Let's talk about your first gig after school. What did you do? Um, did you start a company right away? Or was there something in between? I continued doing all this stuff through high school and college. And uh, I would say during college was the least. I was involved in actual trying to start new web companies or new companies. It was I did a lot more freelance in college. In, in high school, I, I would say one of the last ones I did that was notable was uh, one of the ski websites ended up getting a tremendous amount of traffic and we were printing our own t-shirts and our graphics lab um, just with our own logos and things like that. And we, we hosted the first 3d skiing game that some um, kids built. Uh, and it was actually really cool. Um, the, the level of detail, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's still around or maybe on Xbox now, but we were the sole hosts of it. The, the website I had and we were getting like 200,000 unique visitors a month or something insane like that. Wow. And, um, and I didn't renew it because the, the domain came up and it was, I think $20 a year at the time. And, uh, <laughs> we didn't renew it. And, and, uh, yeah, later on we found out how much that kind of traffic was worth. Um, so that was a tough one, but then, uh, yeah. in in, High school, uh, later in high school, we, I was doing, uh, I had a graphic design and web design company and we're doing small businesses, things like that, web directories. Um, and then through college, I continued doing freelance in that, in that space. Um, we tried to do some rental property, rental websites actually, uh, around, you know, when I graduated, um, we tried doing some property rental we, I remember renting a VRBO when I graduated high school to have all our friends out to Rhode Island for a week. I remember using VRBO thinking how backwards it was or contacting these 
vacation rental real estate companies and couldn't believe how how poor the the experience was and, and you know i'm 18 years old um paying in cash because all my friends paid for this property in cash and uh so we started building a property management website then i remember it's called rentchamp.com back when you could get a two-syllable domain um right. that wasn't co-aware uh you know <laughs> <laughs> right so um so yeah after college i uh ended up trying to um i have enthused.com and my friends and i a bunch of skiers and snowboarders we just tried to um, create some kind of a blog on that but it was it was mostly for fun and i had a couple uh e-commerce type jobs around that that period of time um after college that that's all leading towards uh you know that 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 very first well i don't want to call it you, you started up a lot of little companies you started a lot of a lot of things but is this where remark visions comes in uh kind of yeah so i actually um after college i lived at home for maybe the first year in Connecticut. Um, and I ended up in this SEO position. So I was basically working on search engine marketing campaigns and mostly or on the organic side though. So a little bit of the less, less of the SEM more of the SEO trying to build links for people's websites, a lot of lawyers, um, doctors, real estate agents, you know, local businesses, things like that. And I quickly knew that I wanted to move to either New York or Boston um, so I could get a little more involved in in uh, some startups that were a little higher tech and had their own products. Um, so I ended up in Boston working for a company called Gazelle. Uh, they, it's an e-commerce platform where you basically go on and say how much your iPhone is worth. And they send you a box. And so at the time I was, I did that in Boston for about six to nine months and they ended up laying off about half their uh, employees shortly after I moved there. So um, I somehow got uh, a few months of severance and um, was able to kind of figure things out. And I saw uh, some local people doing video tours and uh, this is right as soon as I was getting involved in video. Um, and I worked for another production company for about a year, mostly doing photos. Um, and uh, and then once I saw video tours becoming more popular in the area, I decided that's what I wanted to focus on was video tours. And I ended up deciding to that it was a good time to take the chance and, and do that. And things worked out pretty well. Um, and that's how I got started on the Remark Vision side. So Remark Visions actually started as Remark Video Tours um, and Video Tours Boston. I couldn't decide on the name and then ended up being Remark Visions. Now, Coaware comes not long after that. Is that is that the case? Correct, yeah. As Remark Visions grew, we had a lot of content and a lot of photographers that were starting to contribute and um, even hired my sister, when she graduated college, um, and then some others started coming on, on board the team. And we had a lot of issues in the early days delivering photos to real estate agents. Uh, I mean, Dropbox is too complicated for um, 
for what we were doing. And a lot of people were downloading the thumbnails or they didn't know what a zip file was, things like that. And they also wanted property websites um, in a way to just see all their listings in one place. So I started building our, uh, our property or our content management system from there for all of our content. And eventually we built in the booking system to that and uh, got to the point where I decided I could really focus on the production company and, and build that out and hire a ton of photographers or take the software uh, and start licensing that out to other photographers around the country. Um, and so that's that's when CoWare started was when we decided to to do that with the software and and see who else was out there that was taking real estate photos that didn't have a platform to deliver their content on. Our platform at the time was um, pretty pretty advanced for um, for the level of production we were actually doing. Um, so we got a lot of interest from photographers when we first started CoWare. The biggest challenge with that was it, a lot of these photography companies, they had their own business rules that we naively tried to accommodate each, mm. each unique circumstance uh, when we first started. And it just led to uh, an endless cycle of development for features that one person was going to use or that one company was going to use. So, um, so it was, uh, it was definitely bumpy getting, getting that platform going. And then at the end of the day, everybody, all the photographers would be like, okay, so yeah, you can, you know, automate our invoicing and uh, automate all, all the scheduling and things like that. But what does the property website look like? And so we we're like, all right, well, let's just, hide all of those other features and give people the property websites. And um, so that's what we focused on for a while. The current version of CoAware today, let's talk about that real quick. Um, it, it is that world of network platforms, right? That were, that, that seems to be exploding today. And it has been for the last maybe five, seven years, but the ability to connect professionals with other professionals, right? Is that am I on the right track there? Exactly. Yeah. So that's, where we ended up with all of this was instead of trying to build our our platform for real estate photographers to connect with their customers uh, into this white labeled solution for each one of them, um, we decided to just make it a marketplace. And so photographers can connect their calendars, um, they can set their own pricing, they can set their travel radius. And so an agent can go on and they can compare them based on their portfolio, their availability, their reviews, um, and then they can book instantly. We boiled it all down and it's just the photographer gets their own page where they deliver the content and the agent can download it on their own dashboard. And no matter which photographer the agent uses, all the content is delivered in one place. All the property websites look the same. Um, so it's not like you're scrambling all over to see, okay, I use this photographer for this listing. So it's going to be emailed to me, the photos, and I use this <laughs> other photographer, this other one that this guy uses drop Dropbox or we transfer or something. So it just consolidates everything. And, and also real estate photographers have started to fragment things a lot more of making the 
purchase experience for an agent a lot more confusing where, you know, there's, there's this one photography company that uh, will sell you five photos for $200. And then the next one will sell you uh, 50 for $150. And it's very hard to compare and contrast and find the best person for your particular job. Um, so we decided bringing everybody together was the best way to do it. Do you, do you find that there's competition maybe that occurs when that happens? Yeah. You know, in a market, in a market. Yeah. Um, which has been very interesting. Um, we, we do see that one, a lot of these photographers, the ones that we got in the beginning were the ones that we could find an invite to the platform. Uh, mm -hmm. and then, as time kind of has gone by, we started getting photographers that we, even if we Googled them, we couldn't find them, but they, <laughs> they have great work. Um, but they just, you know, they, maybe they focus on weddings, um, but they have all the equipment to shoot real estate and they have the availability during the week. Um, and so they're great fit to be a real estate photographer. So if these people kind of coming out of the woodwork that are, fully capable, just as capable as anybody else who shoots real estate. Um, but then also people do uh, seem to compete on price um, a little bit. And then also, you know, things like their portfolio, which, which uh, agents can browse in there. So, so it's, it's really interesting to see um, how things are developing and, and people are trying to offer more services, things like that. Yeah. It seems like it's uh it's all good for the real estate world, right? I mean, if you had to um, kind of look at the overall net benefit, it's huge. They 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 now get to uh, do something they never had to do before. They never could do it before. Exactly. You know, compare. You know, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, let's let's. You're passionate about photography. Let's talk about that a little bit. Um, you know, the, I know you've seen the the so the websites. You know, the the bad MLS photo websites and all that stuff. But talk about um, just talk about. You know why why the why the high quality images are so important? I mean, in your opinion, right? As someone who's passionate about that topic, and you're talking to a room full of realtors, let's say, you know, what do you tell them? Well, uh, our attention spans are getting shorter and shorter. If you're looking through Zillow, you're more likely to click a home with a more attractive photo, and especially more likely to click a home if it's got something like a virtual twilight photo. It's the the featured photo um, or a real twilight, which I don't think many people do anymore. But I think that the attention span is just a major factor. Um, of course, if a home is beautiful and it has poor photos, you'll still get people through the door, but you probably won't have as much competition when it comes to selling that home and, you know, and buyers. Um, so might not get, all the money that you could have gotten if you had professional photos. So, so I think that it's a, it's a huge thing. Um, it's a pretty much a must. I think most brokerages and agents around the country have, have realized that that is a major benefit. Um, then Zillow recently is starting to do this where you, uh, if you have a video or their 3d home, which is a new, uh, service that people are able to provide, um, to real estate agents or real estate agents can make 3d homes themselves right on the Zillow 3d app. Uh, but that will actually boost your exposure. So 
uh, let's say for the first week you have just your regular photos up there, started off with your virtual twilight picture or some lead shot. If you're in the city, you might not use the virtual twilight. Maybe you'll use um, just like a really nice photo of the interior. Uh, but then a week later, you know, you're, you're not in the new home section of Zillow or however long it is. Uh, ways to bump it up are by adding a, a video tour. Then Zillow, Zillow will say, oh, this home was recently updated and they'll bump you up. And then mm. you can do a uh, Zillow 3D shortly after that. But and obviously Zillow is not the only company that you, you deal with. But I mean, just releasing regular content uh, until you sell something, I think, is a, a must. Look, Alex, everybody today is a photographer. We all carry pretty decent cameras with us everywhere we go, right? Not not bad cameras, at least, compared to uh, the digital cameras you first started with shooting skateboarding. Mm-hmm. So give me, give me one or two things that you see just everyday people with their phones doing absolutely wrong when they're taking a picture. Well, one, don't put your thumb over the lens. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a good one. Yep. My mom recently uh, right. sent me a picture of a seal. Uh, and it was her thumb actually in the foreground. Um, all right. But yeah, but in all seriousness, I I think, uh, the biggest thing I see when people take their own photos is they're crooked. And even if you don't notice it, um, because you're not a, you don't do this for a living, uh, subconsciously you're less attracted to a crooked photo. So that's the number one thing. Make sure it's it's straight. You have tools on your phone to make sure it's level. I don't know if there's an actual level on the camera, maybe the new one on the iPhone. But um, in any event, if, even if you have the grid, you can line it up with something like the gutters of the house. Uh, if you're taking an exterior photo, just make sure that yeah. the gutters are in line with the, the horizontal grid. Um, the second thing would be the verticals of the picture. So, not only you want to make sure it's it's not crooked, but you want to make sure that you're not tilting the camera up or down too far. In a lot of cases, it's unavoidable if the house is on a hill and you're looking up or if it's a tall building, you're going to have to break that rule. But for the most part, um, getting it square and having your camera completely level, you'll see that the house doesn't look like it's falling backwards or falling forwards. Um, so yeah. those two things are, are very uh, important. If you have an iPhone, there's a little less you can do in terms of editing the colors and the lighting. Um, so plan to to take the picture when the sun is hitting the right side of the house, especially this time of year as the days get shorter. You know, that window's smaller during the middle of the day or whenever, the, depending on the direction of the home, things like that. Cool. Let me, let me ask you, uh, there, you know, there are some companies out there doing some crazy stuff with images, right? You mentioned earlier the virtual twilight image, right? I, what, what comes to mind for me is Box Brownie, and I think you know those guys, right? You've met them mm-hmm. at the conferences. Yeah. What's, what, what's your take on that? I mean, and is, um, I mean, how far can that go? Uh, I, I mean, I think it's brilliant. I think that's a major, major factor in this. Um, to give you an example, I, I met the Box Brownie guys a few years ago at Inman, actually, um, but – I've had my production company and I've been in this business for probably about eight years now almost. And um, I used to have to edit all of our pictures and from all of our photographers. And it was very, very hard to get consistent quality, um, even if it was me editing and I had my own presets and things like that, because the 
the volume of photos you get from a full day of real estate shooting times however many photographers you might have is just too much to do as as a single person so you you have to hire train some people um and a lot of these people are overseas or their box brownies found an amazing way to build a network of these people who do the photo editing all around the world might be some in the u.s but there might be some over in the philippines or uh, south america you you just they find the best ones to do the jobs as fast as possible so that enables real estate photographers to kind of have a life and although it might be expensive i um i did the editing myself for maybe the first four or five years yeah my life was miserable so the second i found somebody i could outsource to quality was better than anything i could do myself it's just worth it and uh, in terms of agents and how how they can use technologies like that, there are so many uses. Um, one of my favorite ones that um, Box Brownie does is uh, the the declutter, uh, but then also the virtual renovations, things that yeah that are, have serve legitimate purposes, um, and you couldn't really do it in any other way. And and it's beneficial, I think, to the seller as well or the the buyer too, because you might not see a home for what it's actually worth. If the current tenant's a hoarder, um, they can remove all of that for you and, and uh, their declutter feature. So things like that, I think, you know, show the home in its most accurate state uh, when it's empty. <laughs> There's a lot for more beyond what just box brownies doing. I think with, uh, with 3D, it's very, so 3D is one of those things that's been very slow to catch on. We're seeing it's a great tool for agents to get listings, to win their listing presentation along with video. Um, if you offer listing uh, 3D or video in a listing presentation, you're more likely to get the listing over somebody who doesn't offer that. Um, so that's a good thing for the agent, but then right. down yeah. the road, what we're seeing, we're going to see is the 3D technology just in terms of the 360 images and the measurements combined is going to have almost unlimited possibilities in terms of automation um, and automating the listing process, automating your listing descriptions. You'll, I mean, that's that's all possible with the technology now and, you know, replacing cabinets or replacing furniture um, those are things that are coming down the road a little bit more but everything is possible with the technology that's being used uh, it's just a matter of how these companies that are offering these services by me saying offering these services i mean the camera uh, manufacturers or the people processing these 3d tours like matterport or zillow what they do with this data is uh there's going to be a tremendous value in that. Um, so that's something to keep an eye out for. Well, Alex, Alex I've had you here uh, well over the half hour I asked of your time. So I'm going to ask you the same question I've asked every guest right, since, since day one. And that's, if you could give one piece of advice to a new agent just starting out, what would it be? Uh, I think I said this already, but I would say <laughs> if you're going for a listing presentation, obviously you have to do professional photos. But 
add in the fact that you'll do video and or Matterport if they get the or if they use you to list the home um, because we've seen so many agents get listings just because they offer video and the other people pitching to that seller don't offer video. So I think it's a it's a great way to get new business um, and then make sure you use the video too. put it on YouTube and try to get some views on it. Um, but either way, if you get the listing, that's not a bad thing either. If uh, someone wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, you can go to our website, coaware.com, um, K-O-A-W-A-R-E.com. Chances are my face will pop up uh, in the bottom corner. And uh, also you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, and uh, those are the best ways to get in contact. Is Coaware available all around the country, you know, as far as for photog- real estate photography? Uh, so Coaware is currently available in uh, in Atlanta, uh, Denver, and Southern California. But we do have a number of Matterport providers around the country. So um, if you are interested in us coming to your area, if you're a broker, an agent who gets a bunch of listings, it's very, very easy for us to get photographers on board um, in you know, a matter of uh, days or weeks um, to get some kind of a market going. So I would love to hear from you if you're you're interested in getting your market going on Coware, trying it out. And we're also looking for agents or brokers to do some case studies with as well. Alex, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. It was a pleasure chatting with you and getting your story. Uh, and uh, maybe I'll see you soon at another uh, real estate conference somewhere. Thanks, Bill. And I will keep listening to you on the real estate sessions.